Art to Art Conversations, a show where we take an in-depth look into why musicians do what we do. This is Paige Sue. For the first episode, I am fortunate to be joined by Michael Leake, founder and band leader of the award-winning group Snarky Puppy. Michael is also an independent bass player, music producer, and solo artist. On a personal note, I've actually been friends with Mike since our freshman year in college. Having witnessed the birth of Snarky Puppy and their incredible journey in the years since, I have so much admiration and so many questions for him. Here we go. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you as my first guest for this whole series, Arthur Conversations. It's just such an honor to have you. And oh, it's my pleasure. Um, it's it's so good to see you and it's so funny like once i see you i just get all bubbly like i'm 19 again <laughs> <laughs> well we no, were no. basically 19 the last time we actually hung out i guess you know besides I that one so. one I mean, time did, in taiwan <laughs> one time in taiwan i know and right. it's it's really scary to think about how long it has been since mm. we really hung out in college yeah, so yeah. It's, crazy. it's crazy so how is life how is like what are your days like when you're on tour and off tour and just <laughs> um i mean on tour things are pretty uh pretty consistent from day to day um the only thing that changes is the scenery you know and right. of course the people and um well i guess everything <laughs> i guess everything <laughs> changes everything changes but um but it's the same in that like the schedule is kind of the same you know when we're on a tour like this with snarky puppy we have 24 people on the road um including our crew and the bus drivers and the opening act so we have two buses and you know uh, basically in the morning we wake up we set up for the show do sound check mm -hmm. play the gig and then at night the buses go to the next city. So we drive overnight, you know, so then you go to sleep on the bus, you wake up and you're in the next city. And that's kind of the schedule every day. And, and I mean, for me personally, because I'm the band leader, you know, I have interviews most days or meetings or things like that. But I think everybody in the band tries to like, tries to enjoy wherever we are, tries to find good coffee, good restaurants. Mm -hmm. If we have friends in the city to, to be able to, you know, hook up with them. So, um, it's kind of like Groundhog Day in a way, but like, you know, reliving the same experience, but but kind of all of the proper nouns change, you know. Sounds incredible. What about you? What, what about when you're not on tour? What is what's your life like? Uh, I mean, that <laughs> depends, because when I'm not on tour, I mostly work as a producer. So sometimes right. there's artists staying in my house, mm -hmm. um, making records, you know, with me. And in that case, my day is basically cooking for them and recording them and, you know, working with them on you. music. I do see a lot of cooking videos. I mean, oh, yeah. your Instagram oh. stories. I see a lot of rooftop cooking. <laughs> I love to cook. I love to cook. So, you know, or maybe, you know, I'll travel to produce somebody. Like I'm going to Reunion Island this year to nice. produce a record. And nice. um, most of the time people come to me, but sometimes I travel to, to do something. Um, and, uh, and when I'm not producing and I'm not on tour, um, I, I, I think normally I'm working on music for an upcoming project, whether it's one of my bands like Bocante or right. Snarky Puppy or Bill right. Lawrence and I, or, 
um, or another special project or, or whatever. And if I have free time, I basically just cook and play tennis. That's, Sounds that's incredible. what I like to do. Well, you're yeah, living, I mean, you're it's, living the dream. Really. Oh, well, I mean, and for some people, maybe it'd be a, a nightmare, but for me, it's, it's fun. <laughs> It sounds incredible. You're based in Spain, right? All most of your time mm -hmm. now when you're off tour. That also yeah. sounds amazing. How did you end up in Spain? Um, I visited this little village that's about one hour from Barcelona 10 mm -hmm. years ago because I had to write some music for a Snarky Puppy album we made called Silva, which was a collaboration with an <laughs> orchestra called the Metropole Orchestra. Yes, yes. And the manager of the Metropole, who's a very, very good friend of mine, had well, still has a summer home there in the village. And she told me like, just take the keys to my house and go alone and write there. Um, wow. so that you can be like peaceful, like in New York, it's going to be distracting for you to write. So, so I said, okay, great. You know, so I went to this little village and I kind of fell in love with it and just kept visiting. I made friends there and kept visiting over and over and over. And then finally I decided that it wasn't worth paying New York rent, you know, 12, <laughs> 12 months a year to be in New York two months a year. So I just I bought a home and I moved. Wow, that's incredible. So how long have you lived there now? I moved into my house in 2020. Wow. Oh, wow. In October. That's an amazing yeah. time to go through COVID, actually. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, my yeah, unfortunately, the house wasn't done being like uh, renovated when COVID hit. Um, mm -hmm. So I spent like, you know, three, four months in my ex-girlfriend's like really tiny apartment. Um, But then in October, yeah, I, I moved in and it was great to spend, yeah, 2021 and 2022, most of those years I wasn't on tour. So it was really nice to just be at home for the first time in my life. Wow. That is so crazy for a lot of people, I, I think, to hear that, you know, you're mostly on the road and it's rare to be at home. But I do think 2020 was a really <laughs> special time for everybody. So, like, I actually really want to talk about our time at school because you know <laughs> now i look back it's interesting you know i i've been doing music as as well after after school and my whole life and i i would do school so differently now if i no. if i could do it again i'm sure you understand but like when yeah. i see you when i see someone like you i go you had everything figured out i was like i have so much admiration for you because you started snarky puppy and you know and you were just like i actually remember being in the basement practice downstairs of bruce hall and i took a semester of secondary bass double bass double bass i remember you, i remember you, and you, actually, double bass. you would swing by and teach me a certain thing and, <laughs> and we were in music theory class together and the way mm. you explain music theory to me i was like this guy is really unique he's different oh. And so, anyway, I, I'm just wondering, did you see through school at that time? Like, did you already have a really clear kind of a vision for your musical path? Uh, no, no, not at all. I mean, I think it's easy to say, like, now to look, because Snarky Puppy, you know, has been successful to mm -hmm. a certain degree. And, and, you know, I'm not, like, broke and homeless you know i mean it's easy to say like oh yeah you know he knew what he was doing from the beginning and he had this plan and he stuck with the plan and blah 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 um and that's why he didn't take any of the classes that he was supposed to take and that's why he dropped out of school and blah 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 blah, blah. but i mean imagine let's just imagine that snarky puppy 
wasn't successful and that like I didn't have any luck or success in anything, then you would look at the decisions I made in college and say, wow, he was such an idiot. He dropped out of school. He didn't take any of the classes he was supposed to take. You know, so I think it's easy to like look at it like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So it looks like I had everything together, but I actually didn't. I mean, I I just I was too um stubborn to take the classes that I was supposed to take. So I took like, you know, Latin jazz ensemble or, mm-hmm. you know, Afro-Brazilian ensemble instead of like college algebra or Texas history or the classes that I was like re- required to take to graduate. Right. Um, just because I was greedy, basically. It was like, no, I'm at the school. There's all this stuff I want to learn. I want to learn those things. I don't want to learn about like the Alamo. I mean, it's interesting, <laughs> I guess. But it sounds um, amazing sounds like you you knew what you really enjoyed and you you pursued that rather than being caught in the system because yes. that that's like that's how i felt when i was in it because i actually chose you and t because i wanted to switch to jazz i had all these plans oh. but then oh. i was so i was so caught up with being a good student and i just kept doing the classical stuff and it really sure. took me a long time to break away from from that and really be on the path where I really want to be. So I just like have so much admiration for you. And to be honest, like, I highly doubt like you, you guys would fail because you, I still remember going to the concerts at Haley's and I actually had your original t-shirt and Cody bought one for me. Actually, we're going to wait on a day to do your concert, you know? And like, it, you guys were already a sensation at school, so. I'm just like well, really happy and so proud to have like a superstar friend. So. <laughs> I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not a superstar. I'm your friend, but I'm not a superstar. I mean, um, yeah. I, I mean, I think um, it always looks easier from the outside. Um, For sure. You know, you go to a gig and you see 300 people in the yeah. audience. And you think, oh, that band has it totally figured out. Like they're selling tickets and soon that 300 will be 3000. And it's probably like that everywhere and blah, blah, blah. Uh, And because it's successful, there are no problems. You know what the truth is? It's like, it's very, very hard to not quit every day. Like, you, you know, like it's really hard, you know? And also the fact that, I mean, now the band is, doing better than ever you know we played in los mm-hmm. angeles last night we sold you know like three thousand tickets it's like wow that's incredible Amazing. you know no i would i never never would have believed that if you would have told that to me in college but even with that and everyone's getting paid well and everybody yeah. has a job and they have families that they can support with this band and blah 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 and even with that people complain all the time you know i mean it's like it never ends you know yeah. like people wanting more or 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 just the 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 weight of running an organization or the the responsibility of running an organization the energy and time requirements that stuff never stops being um not only challenging but mm-hmm. it never stops being an existential threat you know that wow. in any moment stuff can 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 get so dark or bad or or whatever that you can just be like i know i worked my whole life to build this thing and now it's cool but screw it i'm done with it you know and i've had that feeling hundreds of times you know over the last 19 I can, years i can only imagine wow yeah, i mean it's that's so but cool also, you're so open about it yeah 
Well, I mean, it's, I think any band leader would, you're a band leader. I mean, you would probably say the same thing. And I think, you know, normally the problem is like financial, you know, um, you have a really bad tour and you go way into debt or you make a, you spend $25,000 making a record and, you know, thanks to streaming services, you make like 2000 of that back in 10 years, you know, or whatever. Um, Or back in the old days before streaming services, you know, the label made a really crappy deal with you and you got screwed and whatever, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of ways for the music industry to totally just like walk all over you. Um, and, uh, but also there's like the human side of it too, like relationships, like people in Mm -hmm. the band, not getting along, you not getting along with people in the band, um, you know, fights between you and your manager or you and your booking agent. I mean, all these things can happen. I mean, I've, I've had very, very good luck in that my manager, We've only had one manager um, besides me. I was the manager for 10 years and then we hired a manager. Nice. And he and I have never really had any fights and same with our booking agents and, and, and really, you know, I've had very few conflicts with members of the band. There have been some conflicts between them, but nothing, nothing major. I mean, we've, we've, um, we've been very lucky in that sense. Um, So there's, uh, but there are always threats. There's always yeah. threats. And, and like, like I said, from the outside looking in, it just seems like, Oh, great. Living the dream. Everything's perfect. And then you like, you know, <laughs> you, you, when you For really sure. get in there yeah. and see what's yeah. going on, it's like, yeah. it's difficult. And I think that any person that is in a position of leadership in any organization on earth in any industry feels the same. There's pressure. Yeah. There's pressure Absolutely. to make everybody happy. There's pressure mm-hmm. to feed everybody's families. There's pressure to to um, uh, to do whatever it is you're doing at a high level, like artistically yeah. or culinarily yes. or, you know, yes. whatever your profession is. Um, so it's like being true to your art form. There's being true and treating the people in your organization well. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. like figuring out a way to make money without selling your soul. And, uh, it's not, it's not, it's not easy doing, doing all of those things. So I have, I have a lot of sympathy, empathy for, for, for band leaders everywhere, you know? <laughs> wow. That, that was incredible. Cause I was going to ask, did you, you know, ever think about like, was it ever so difficult that you want to quit? And like, you just oh, answer yeah. me. <laughs> Hundreds. Hundreds of times. Gosh, and I'm sure like the difficulties are different. Like by the point, like you guys really. I remember when you guys blew up over YouTube, and like everybody was talking about Snarky Puppy, and people here in Taiwan too. Like everybody was sharing your videos on Uh on Facebook. It was really cool, and I was always like, I know that guy. I know these guys. You know, that was like really cool. But like I'm sure before before you blew up, the difficulties were different. And I, I, but yeah. I, I do wonder, like before, like when everybody's kind of struggling or trying to make it, you have a different bond or like, is it like, yeah. how do you make it work? My question is actually like, you just mentioned you want to quit like so many times. So what mm-hmm. keeps you going? What, what, what keeps you going is worth it. And we're just going to keep, keep making it work. Um. I think above all, I've, I've always had the ability to use kind of my brain over my heart, you know, um, like to use logic over, over emotion. Um, 
you know, I guess thanks to growing up in like a military family, probably. Um, oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, my dad was in the military. So, I mean, you know, I think that definitely makes a big difference. Um, the, the like thing of like, you get the job done, you know, like you do the thing and then you deal with your emotions later, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> you know, very unhealthy for like human relationships. But for as like business leaders, you know, maybe that's a good trait to have for a person who's in a position of leadership. You know, I mean, if you're fighting a war or something and you have a platoon of soldiers, like the fact that your leader is like feeling emotionally a certain way shouldn't affect the decisions that are being made right in the battlefield. And and, and I think that it's the same in sports also, you know, and I play yeah. tennis a lot and, and, um, Tennis is an extremely emotional and extremely mental game. It's like it's like playing chess while at the same time like just giving everything that your body can give. You know, so you have like physical exhaustion and mental exhaustion and you're like competing against this other mind. And it's very easy and you watch it happen in every tennis match. You watch like these emotional roller coasters that the players go through. I mean, it's like, it's nerve wracking watching their, mm -hmm. their like roller coaster kind of ride. And um, the greatest tennis players ever are the ones that are able to control their emotions. You know, you think about Roger Federer or, or, or you know, the Williams sisters or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, they had this ability to constantly kind of go back to being objective, even as they were being pushed to their physical limit and their emotional limit and their mental limit. Of course, everybody has little outbursts, but it's like, you know, Novak Djokovic said once, it's like mental toughness is not about never getting emotional. Mm -hmm. It's like, he said, no matter who you are, no matter how strong you are in certain moments in the match, you're going to get emotional and you're going to get negative. And the, mm -hmm. the real test is how quickly you can go back to being positive. You know, the recovery, mm -hmm. like the recovery time is actually the thing that determines your mental toughness, not, not your ability to not be negative because everyone's going to exactly. be negative. You, you hit five bad balls. You're going to be negative, of course, you know, <laughs> but, but, but can't after five, can you recover or does it have to be 15 before you recover, you know? And, um, so I think I've always had that for sure. Like the ability to be like, okay, well, emotionally, this is how I feel. I would love to just end this. This person is driving me crazy, you know, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But then ha also have the ability to like get outside of myself and say, okay, I built this thing. And right now what we're experiencing is not good, but there's a very good chance that we'll be able to get out of it. So how do we get out of it? Or like, how long do I have to wait until it's like, I can be sure that this is like, that this band shouldn't exist, you know, or you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like the ability to kind of just like zoom out. You kind of have to, and, yeah, you have to see the bigger picture, really. Right. And I think that's really hard for a lot of musicians and artists because we really rely. I mean, I, I, I can't speak for others. For me, I definitely am quite an emotional person in sure. so many we all ways. Are, yeah, yeah I, I, definitely we all are. And I always definitely agree with you. I think making music is really pure. It is so wonderful. Mm. But when it comes mm. to dealing with people, everybody has different needs. Everybody's on different. So hard. 
journey of their lives. And then when you all come together, everybody interpret words differently. And how do you, it's impossible. It's actually, I think in, in you know, once you recognize it's impossible, it's not going to be this like smooth ride. You know, it's good to just see the bigger picture, like you said. But like, it's a good, really good reminder to hear you say all this because that's something I I feel like I, I struggle with as well, for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, I think everybody does um, because human beings are complicated and they're all different and they all want different things. And like, yeah, like you said, I say one sentence to 20 people and it gets interpreted 20 different ways, you know, the same sentence. Yeah, it's or impossible. Like, or like, yeah, you know, one situation is like, paradise for one member of the band and hell for another member yeah. of the band yeah you know and so you have to learn how to deal with the different personalities and and i i mean i think above all you know speaking about being objective and being logical before you before being emotional i think the most important thing to remember is that it's always easy to assume that the problem that you're experiencing is specific to your project like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. this person in the band is driving me nuts and it's like toxic and I should just kill the band, you know, like get rid of the band and then start a new band with new people. And then that problem won't be there, you know? And it's true that that person might not be in the new band, but it's equally likely that there will be a person in the new mm -hmm. band that will be equally problematic, but maybe just yeah. in a different way, yeah. you know? So it's not really like you know, it just always seems like it's going to be easier if you, if you stop what you're doing and do something new, but the most likely yeah. th those problems will just always appear. Having exactly. a difficult person in your band will probably always be there. You know, having money problems with your band yeah. or with your exactly. project, those, there will always be there. And, and you could say like, Oh, I'm doing my creative music and it's so hard and it costs so much money and I make no money. So I'm going to do like a pop thing, but there's no, guarantee that doing a pop thing is going to make no. you a bunch of money oh absolutely it might make you make you less money and you'll be miserable if you don't want to play pop I, you know I, and if then I, if i would post edit my videos i would have all these arrows <laughs> on me right now with all the words you're saying <laughs> but actually anyway that's Welcome. funny you just said everything i i went through um you know with personal experience. So absolutely I agree with you. There's I mean, always we... new problems. There's always different yeah. challenges. Um, but I still, you know, when I hear a new album or when I see what you're doing, it's just, it's still so exciting. And oh, thank you. it's so beautiful. I, I was just checking, um, checking out your album, Bill Lawrence. Oh, nice. And yeah. it's so, yeah. it's so beautiful. And it's thank just you. like, ah. It's nice. So I guess having different projects is also really good because you can kind of, you know, have different perspectives, <laughs> different sparks with different musicians. It is, it's that kind of a way to let out a different side of yourself. And how do you balance like all these different projects? Yeah, I mean, I think musicians have uh, like entire universes inside of them, right? So it's like... Mm -hmm. There's some people who you see them play keyboards on a funk gig and you have no idea that they're like an amazing singer songwriter with a beautiful voice that plays guitar or something, you know? And so I think that, you know, musicians, um, 
they need outlets for all the different sides of their personalities. So I've tried to, because I love a lot of different kinds of music and I love playing a lot of different kinds of music. Mm -hmm. So I've tried to create different projects that will allow me to explore those kinds of music in a way that let's say is like practical, you know, it's not just me like playing in a room by myself and studying and writing songs that no one will hear. It's like, well, I have this project with this person. We write this kind of music for this project. We go on tour with that project. We make records with that project. And then I can gain some income from that and, and, you know, like have a career with that rather than it just be kind of like an academic exercise or like a hobby. Sure. Um, so my, my way of dealing with that is by creating projects. So I have Bocante, I have Snarky mm -hmm. Puppy, I have this duo with Bill, and then I have my life as a producer, and that allows me to do a lot of different yeah, things. You have that, your that solo artist project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, my solo, yeah, solo, solo record, which I made. And, and um, so all those things are like parts of who I am. And, um, and I think that that's not unique or special, like about me that's everybody every artist has a lot to them um i think the the hard part about that is sometimes those projects can cannibalize each other in terms of time for sure so you know for example i run into this problem a lot where snarky puppy gets called to play in rome mm -hmm. and then also bill lawrence and i get called to play in rome two months later but when the promoters find out that maybe it's possible that both projects will come to the same city so close together, the promoters don't want to do it. They say, well, you either do our gig only or you don't play, oh. you know, because, wow. the, because they understand that even though they're different projects, it's still me going. And it's very unlikely that people will go to see me twice within two months, within nine months, maybe but within two months. Interesting. No. What do you do yeah, in yeah. those situations? Then? We try to um, plan tours so that it's like, okay, well, if Snarky Puppy is going to be in Europe in 2024, Europe and the US, then Bill and I will play in Asia and South America. And then the I next see. year we'll flip or whatever. You know, we try wow. to like coordinate it. So the, obviously the more projects you have, the more complicated that becomes. Because oh, then it's like, oh, you know, there's only the world is only so big, you know, so sometimes it's messy, mm -hmm. you know, but um, and sometimes agents get upset because they're like, I worked really hard for this gig and now we can't accept it because you're playing there with another band. But I mean, that's like, it's like we said earlier, is, not, yeah, nothing's easy. Nothing's <laughs> yeah. easy in this profession, you know. Yeah, so. I remember asking you when I saw you in Taiwan, um, how you guys schedule your band like how do you schedule a tour when everybody's so busy and i remember it was like just mind-blowing how it worked because you have different musicians kind of on rotation right i remember that's uh what you mentioned so yeah. that's i can only imagine the administrative work behind all of this is massive it's yeah it's a pain i mean it's a pain but it's worth it mm -hmm. because in the end you have this really beautiful situation where new people are constantly coming and not new people but you know you have fresh blood coming in and out of tours and um and it feels like a big family you know like last night mm -hmm. when we played in la we it was the last gig for two of the guys on the tour they were going to go back home and okay. three new guys came in so we had everybody play and it's like it was like really fun you know because then it's like oh we have 13 people tonight on stage it's like a big party oh, wow. And that's great. I, I mean, I think the main, the, maybe the main thing that I've learned over the last 19 years is 
to accept the fact that you will never have a hundred percent of your band be a hundred percent happy. Mm-hmm. It's never going to happen. And you have to learn how to continually move forward. Yeah. Even though people in your organization are complaining. Yeah. That's really inspiring. I think a lot you of know, musicians, people who are, who are working on their projects, they, they need to hear from someone like you, like, oh, it's, it's okay. It's okay to, to have these problems and difficulties and it's probably I mean, it's never going to end. Right. Yeah. It's not only okay. It's, it's inevitable. Yeah. Even if you have the nicest, coolest people in the world in your band, there will always be problems. There will always be people who are upset. Yeah. Maybe not even necessarily the band members, but audiences or club owners or your oh, agent sure. or whatever. Right. And and you just have to like learn how to just completely like m- to just move on and continue yeah. moving forward while trying to solve those problems. I'm not saying ignore the problems and, and right. I'm, I mean, you have to try to solve the problems, yes. but you can't let the problems stop the car. Right. Like the car right. has to keep moving and you kind of like are driving with one arm and solving the problem with the other arm. You know, I, I think that's the, the, the best way that I can describe it because um, I love it. I love that. I, I see it kind of like good. swimming, like in the ocean. You know, the waves are going to keep hitting you. <laughs> you just keep going. Totally. You just have to yeah. keep going. Yeah. Because I if mean, you lie there, then the ocean, then the waves will take you away, you know, and you can't <laughs> let that happen. Exactly. And I, you know, I, I think it's difficult to travel with family members. It's, it's hard to travel with friends already. So not to mention with people you work with and you're, everybody's exhausted. Everybody goes through different emotional roller coasters and, it's it's just bound to happen. Really appreciate you sharing all these like really sure. real and honest um, yeah. kind of behind the scenes of how how you know a really like in our eyes just kind of a legendary band oh, um, thank you. that you're running. So so cool. So can we expect a, an Asia tour soon? Well, Snarky Bobby's coming to China in yeah. November. We're playing uh-huh. three gigs there. We're we're playing in um uh in India in December. Nice. Where in India? So we're playing in uh, Mumbai and Delhi. Amazing. Um and then next year we should be playing in Japan. Okay. And Singapore. And well, Taiwan is in between. It is. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not our booking agent, so Okay. Um, it's not up to me, but hopefully someone in Taiwan will call our agent and make an offer. And I'm going to poke and around. <laughs> poke around. I think it'd be great. Right. I'd lo- I, be I, love, I, I loved coming there and hanging with you and Cody. It was great. Yeah. I was going to ask, what was your impression about Taiwan? Do you remember? What do you remember? We weren't, we weren't there very long. It was very we are- short. Yeah, we arrived the night before the concert. We had dinner. I remember. Yes, we had and spicy hot pot. Spicy <laughs> hot pot dinner, which was amazing, and a lot of beer. And then we, uh, and then we, and then we did the the uh, the gig the next night, and then we flew yeah. out. So, That's to be true. honest with you, I don't remember anything about Taiwan except the dinner with you all and yeah. the concert. I remember the right. concert very well, and I remember the crowd, which was beautiful. They were really warm People and sweet. But it. like, I was so jet lagged 
And like, yeah. you know, we had we were just at the venue all day. We were at the club all day. So I, 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 I didn't get a chance to hang out. I wish I, I wish I would have. I hope that in the future, if you do come around this area, that you can at least have a little bit more time. Yeah. Love to take you see the ocean side. That'd and, be great. Um, I'd love that. Yeah, and actually, I, I know the pe- people here would love to have you host master classes or things. Oh, cool! Like, I would definitely love to do that. And that'd be so uh, fun. So much fun. I'd yeah, yeah, and I, I actually think it would be amazing if you bring your solo project here as well. Oh. And. Uh, Absolutely, oh, and you. or your other projects. I think yeah. uh, there's really a lot of opportunities, a lot of festivals. You know, when I mention that you are my college friend, everybody like just like you know their eyes just go super sparkly. <laughs> so, like, yeah, people Sweet. know you here. That's so cool. So, well, hopefully, we'll come back soon. I'd love that. Yeah, yeah, and I wish you all the success, and you know, and thank you for Likewise. sharing. Like. You've you, you know said a lot of really inspirational things. I think even for me, I'm gonna like digest them and really absorb, and <laughs> just really appreciate you sharing all these. And oh, I hope no, to see pleasure. you in person soon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we will for sure. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Pei. Always good. Thank you. you. All right, we'll see you. See you soon. All right. Bye. Bye.